Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Hello, good evening and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this evening's edition, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal versus Liverpool. The two teams go head to head at the Emirates Stadium tomorrow. Of course, Liverpool uh, on the hunt in order to try and beat uh, Manchester City's points total of 100, whilst, of course, the Gunners are in a very different position. We're still holding on to some hope of, of possibly achieving European football, though the, the league is not likely to be the route in which we do that. It's more likely that we'll do it in the FA Cup over a couple of one-off games, you hope anyway. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Fingers crossed. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's look ahead to the game. Um, we've been reacting to the North London derby for a couple of days now. We we put out a podcast uh, on Sunday night, looking back at the game with a bit of a raw reaction. We had another debate uh, in regards to some of the aspects of the game uh, with a couple of panellists yesterday on our edition of The Social Club. If you haven't checked those out already, make sure you do so. They're in the feed. Drop them a like, uh, leave your comments and share, of course. Uh, that always helps. It's going to start off by going through Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of this one. Um, he's been speaking to the press um, and he's been talking about a variety of subjects, actually. Um, he's been spoken to about the the fact that, you know, we're playing behind closed doors and what what impact that has. Um, and Mikel Arteta said, it's a different game. Uh, the crowd affects many situations. The crowd doesn't allow the team that is playing at home to have certain behaviours during the game because it is asking all the time, demanding the home team to act in a certain way. He says it puts pressure on players when they have the ball and when they don't have the ball, and it gives a whole different energy to the game. I think we can all understand that. I think we've all seen that. Um, football's returned and I think that for the most part, particularly in the early stages of the return, the football was pretty poor by everybody. And that's not just from Arsenal's perspective. I think most teams struggled to get into any rhythm and to get going again after that long layoff. Um, I think we're starting to get used to it a little bit. And I think the standard of the football has improved as a result of that. Um, but Mikel Arteta is absolutely right to point out what a huge, huge uh, difference it has. Uh, you know, whether or not there's a crowd in the stadium. Uh, moving on, he, he spoke about, as I said, a variety of subjects and he spoke about uh, the the build that, that Jurgen Klopp's done and, you know, how that's taken time and that, you know, they've done, they've recruited very smartly in terms of buying players in the right positions to fit their identity. That's what Mikel Arteta kept saying. And it's clear that he uh, agrees with that philosophy. He agrees with that sort of plan and that sort of structure. Whether he'll be allowed to do that at Arsenal, though, is a different thing because, of course, um, transfer funds are likely to be limited. Add to the fact that we're probably not going to be in Europe. We've got all the COVID-19 hangover, um, which is going to be a massive, massive thing. It's a massive burden on not just football clubs, but businesses all over the world at the moment. So, I think we have to be sensible, have to be reasonable and have to understand that it's going to be um, a very difficult transfer window and a very strange transfer window for many clubs, not just Arsenal. So we have to remain patient and have to be a little bit understanding on that. One of the big questions ahead of this game against Liverpool is, of course, 
how Arsenal are going to are going to attack this game because we do have a hugely important FA Cup semi-final coming up on Saturday evening. Uh, so not much turnaround time at all. Uh, and of course, there are question marks around whether or not Mikel Arteta will rest players, whether he'll change the team, what he will do. Um, I'm not going to give you my answer on that just yet. I'm going to come to that in a little bit. Um, but Mikel Arteta did speak about the fact that we have to go game by game. He said that we'll know more about how the players have recovered and that will, of course, uh, impact on decisions. He said, obviously, some players have had huge demands since we rejoined the season and have played a lot of minutes. And you can see that recovery-wise, with the schedule we have been given by the Premier League to play every two and a half days, it is difficult, basically. And he took the opportunity to have a little swipe at the Premier League. He was asked a question a little bit later on in the press conference about whether or not um, he feels like Arsenal have been harshly done by. And he, he was pretty clear on that. He said, well, of all the weeks, that's only, you know, it's only one time that we've had the advantage. And he referred, didn't he, to the Spurs game where Arsenal had, I think, 24 or 48 hours more time than Spurs did to prepare for the game. So he was keen to make a point about that, Mikel Arteta, and rightly so. You know, the scheduling is just an absolute fucking nightmare. And I understand that the Premier League are in a really, really difficult position and football in general is in a difficult position in terms of having to get the seasons done as quickly as possible so that it doesn't have too much of a knock-on effect on next season. There's, of course, the contract issues as well, which have, uh, you know, we've seen across the Premier League a number of players whose deals were due to expire at the end of May and we've seen them wash their hands and say we're not playing anymore. So, you know, there were so many things to take into account. I understand why the Premier League have decided to cram everything in, but you cannot deny that Arsenal have had the short straw on most most match weeks since the, the, the return of the Premier League. So understandable why he's frustrated about that as well. Um, he was also quizzed actually about the Manchester City situation. Of course, they were um, they had their ban overturned. They were due to face a two-year ban from UEFA Champions League. Um, and of course, they were supposed to uh, get a fine of £30 million. That fine has been reduced to around about £9 million. We spoke about it on last night's social club. So if you want to hear a little bit more in depth about that, do check it out. We was joined by James Thompson, a Manchester City fan and football writer as well, to get a little bit of an inside take on that. And, you know, Mikel Arteta was, he was at the club, wasn't he? Um, through a lot of their success, he was Pep Guardiola's right-hand man. I thought he was quite defensive of Manchester City, but I understand that, uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, if Manchester City have done something wrong, which they might have done, if they have bent the rules, if they have crossed the lines, it's down to UEFA to prove that. And it's down to UEFA to collate so, so much evidence and, and evidence of a good standard. That means that the court of arbitration for sport can't throw the case out. But obviously what's happened here is, if Manchester City have breached rules, and I don't know for sure, then, you know, then that means that UEFA have, have, have dropped the ball in terms of making sure that they, they, they pick up on it, they, they collect all the right evidence, they make a strong case, and they then punish them. And, and it, I guess, you know, the, the big thing here is what does that mean for UEFA? It makes them look really, really silly. Um, you know, it, it just looks really, really silly. Let's um. There, there's some news apparently coming out from uh, David Ornstein this evening. Um, 
in regards to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He's put an exclusive out on The Athletic around about 25 minutes ago. I hadn't seen this uh, prior to hitting the go live button. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes time once we've finished looking ahead um, to the uh, Liverpool game tomorrow night. So we'll focus on that and then we'll jump over to that news. Of course, Liverpool are, as I said right at the top of the show, they're chasing that Premier League points total of over 100. They're looking to beat Manchester City's record. And so people who say that Liverpool uh, may not be fired up for this, I think are really, really wrong. I think Liverpool will be desperate to do that. They'll be desperate to achieve that. I think we will see some changes in their team. We've seen some changes in their team in the last couple of games. We've seen the likes of Nico Williams coming. We've seen Curtis Jones coming um, for a bit of time as well. So Jurgen Klopp is not afraid to make changes, but that doesn't mean that his side will be any less motivated or any less determined, actually, uh, you know, to 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 achieve that and beat Manchester City's record. Um, let's see. Let's go into the statistics before I share my team uh, with you guys. Arsenal and Liverpool have met head-to-head in the Premier League on 55 occasions to date. The Gunners have won 15 of those. Liverpool have won 21, and there have been 19 draws between the two clubs. If we look back at recent results, well, it doesn't bode well for Arsenal last season. Uh, they were beaten 3-1, uh, sorry, 5-1, uh, and there was a 1-1 draw at the Emirates Stadium. So we got battered on the road, um, and then it was 1-1, of course, at the Emirates. Now, earlier this season, right at the start of the season, actually, and I remember this game clearly, um, it was another one of the David Lewis shows, and I remember it because I was on holiday. Liverpool beat us 3-1 as well. Prior to those three matches mentioned, it was a 3-3 draw, if you remember, at the end of 2017. Excellent match. That was Friday night football. Um, really gutted that we didn't win that. And prior to that, we'd been beaten at Anfield by four goals to nil. So, you know, we haven't beaten Liverpool in any of our last five meetings in the Premier League. So it doesn't really bode well, as I said. Going into this game, looking at the form of the two teams, Arsenal, of course, uh, came into the North London derby on Sunday, having picked up three wins on the trot in the Premier League. And of course, picking up a, a decent draw against Leicester City. But of course, that unbeaten run came to an end uh, when we lost at Spurs on Sunday. As far as Liverpool concerned, well, com- it, comparatively to how the rest of the season's gone for them, they've not been in the greatest of form, actually. They beat Crystal Palace by four goals to nil. Um, they got battered by Manchester City. They then beat Villa and Brighton and then drew at home to Burnley in what they will feel was a really, really disappointing and frustrating fixture for them. Um, in terms of the top goal scorers, actually, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leads the way uh, when it comes to these two teams. He's got 20 goals in the Premier League this season. Mohamed Salah's on 19 in second and Sadio Mane has 16 in third. In terms of assists, Trent Alexander-Arnold is head and shoulders above anybody else with 12 assists in the Premier League this term. Andrew Robertson has nine and Mohamed Salah also has nine. Um, in terms of tackles, you'll be... Uh, well, no, you won't be surprised to learn that there is not an Arsenal player in the top three. Jordan Henderson leads that list. Fabinho is just behind him and Trent Alexander-Arnold comes in in third position. So those are the stats going into this game. Of course, Liverpool are going to come. They're going to be in our faces. They're going to press. They're going to do what Liverpool always do. And that is play a very energetic, high intensity style. And Arsenal... I'd expect to stick with a system that they've been playing with in recent weeks. Um, And I think Arsenal have to try and look to nullify Liverpool's threat. 
That's not to say that I want to see us be negative and not even attempt to take the game to them. Because I still think, like, despite what people say about Virgil van Dijk and the, the back four and all of that, I still think that you can get at Liverpool if you go about it in the right way. So I'd like to see Arsenal try and take those opportunities. It's all about beating that press, though, isn't it, of Liverpool's. When you start play from the back and they're pressing you really, really high up the pitch, it's about finding a way to beat that and get past that. And then you can go on, um, you know, and hopefully try and create something at the other end of the pitch. Let me give you guys uh, my starting lineup then for this one. Um, Mikel Arteta has been talking about the fact that you sh you need momentum um, when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to trying to build something and you need to get a bit of continuity. And, and I totally agree with that. I hate chopping and changing starting 11s. It drives me fucking mad. It's one of my pet hates in football. I get that you've got to rotate at times and, and in particular at a time like this where the games are coming really thick and fast and it is a real, real problem. So I understand that. But if it was me, I'd try and keep the team as similar as possible. Now, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with this. It's going to be Martinez in goal for me. Back three stays the same, in my opinion. Um, and I know a lot of people would disagree with that. I, I just can't see Mikel Arteta dropping Ser Kalasinac for that one error. Whether that's right or wrong or not is up for debate. And I'll let you guys have your say in the comments on that. But in my opinion, I think that Mikel Arteta is so desperate to have a left-footed player play in the left centre-back role that he won't overlook Ser Kalasinac as a result of that. There is an argument that he's had his chance. He fucked it up in the most high-profile of games. And then now... Rob Holding deserves a chance. But will he do that? I don't know. I, I can't say for sure. I'm not Mikel Arteta. I'm not inside his head. But I've just got this gut feeling that he will want to make a point and stick with Ser Kalasinac, who, in all honesty, and again, you might disagree, I think has actually done okay in that left centre-back role for the most part. Of course, he made that mistake at Spurs. Let's not go over it time and time again. But I, I do think he's been okay in that position overall. So, I think he'll continue there. I think the wing-backs, I think you may see Hector Bellerin come out of the team and Cedric Suarez come back in. It's clear that Mikel Arteta doesn't believe there's a great deal uh, of difference in terms of quality between the two. In fact, he probably feels like Cedric can give you more in the final third. He's spoken about that in recent press conferences. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Cedric coming in at right wing-back. At left wing-back, I expect to see Kieran Tierney continue. However, in the middle of the park... Um, I think Shaka and Sabayos are building something. They're building a partnership. And fingers crossed, we can keep hold of Danny Sabayos beyond the end of the season. But then that means to, for me that him and Granite Xhaka should continue in the middle of the park. I know that Lucas Torreira is fit again and he's back in contention. I just don't know whether starting Lucas Torreira, having played very little football in a game like that, is the right thing to do. It's probably not. Perhaps Mikel Arteta may do that with a view to, to playing Xhaka and Sabayos in the semi-final. I don't know. Um, but I, I get the feeling that he's uh, big on continuity and he's going to try and keep that as similar as he possibly can. I think when you're talking about continuity, when you talk about certain positions, I think centre-back and centre-midfield are two areas of the pitch where you want to see partnerships form and it's really, really important. So um, that's what I would go with Xhaka and Sabayos. Front three, Aubameyang will start for me. Um, of course, there's no Eddie Nketiah, so Alexander Lacazette is likely to play up top. And I think you've got to drop Nicolas Pepe now and bring Bukayo Saka in. Um, I thought that 
He was uh, really good against Leicester City, as he has been pretty much every time he's played. I understood why he was left out against Spurs. I understood why Mikel Arteta went with Nicolas Pepe, but I didn't think he delivered necessarily. Um, and having played, you know, for a long part of that game uh, on Sunday, I think that, that Mikel Arteta will bring Bukayo Saka back in. And that's probably, in my opinion, the right decision. In terms of Mesut Ozil, the man everybody's talking about, well, we know that he's not involved. We we keep hearing that he is um, he is suffering from back soreness. What does that mean? He's back sore. I'm not sitting here saying that he hasn't got a problem with his back, but it just feels like such a cheap excuse. Like, give us a little bit more Arsenal, you know. And every time Mikel Arteta is asked about it, he just says the situation hasn't changed. The situation's the same. So we're no wiser on the uh, on the Mesut Ozil situation. We'll just have to wait um, and see if he if he does make another appearance this season. By the looks of it, though, time is running out and I can't see it. Um, so, yeah, be interesting to see how that situation develops over the coming weeks, months, over the summer, um, and whether he's part of the plans moving forward next season. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's my team. Uh, in terms of Matteo Genduzzi, there was no comment on that, I don't think. Um, but again, it's it feels like the situation is very similar to that of Mr. Ozil's in the sense of it has not changed. And it looks as though, you know, we could see Matteo Genduzzi moved out of the club this summer. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen. Stan Collymore has been banging on about it this week. And he's been saying that Liverpool and Manchester City should go in for Matteo Genduzzi because he has the talent. I'll tell you one thing, Jurgen Klopp, and Pep Guardiola will not take a stinking attitude from a 20-year-old. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, you know, so <laughs> Stan Collingmore can say what he wants. But at the end of the day, as uh, as uh, Orlando Aguilar says in the comments, he's an overhyped player with a shit attitude. It's hard to disagree with that, to be honest. Um, right, let's move on to some news um, that is coming out of the club this evening. It's been reported by David Ornstein of the athletic um let's uh, bring the post up i'll share it with those of you who are watching us at the moment via youtube uh, for those of you that are listening uh, via uh, the audio platforms don't worry i'll be reading it out for you as well uh, so i'm not going to leave you in the lurch we've got um, a tweet that's come from david ornstein this evening in which he says Ainsley Maitland-Niles has come to the conclusion that the writing is on the wall for his career at Arsenal. And in order to achieve regular first team game time, he must leave AFC contract until 2023. And there is interest apparently from both England and Germany. So David Ornstein giving us the download on uh, the future of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Now, we've spoken about Ainsley Maitland-Niles' attitude in the past and we've discussed how you know, he has shown signs of immaturity at times, not wanting to play in certain positions. I totally understand why, you know, that would have been a problem and why it would have been disheartening for him having to play in a role that he doesn't want to play in and then getting blamed when things go wrong in that position. I've got a lot of sympathy for him there. I really, really, really do. Because I guess we've all played the game at whatever level, you know, I didn't play at anything higher than a sort of, semi-pro-ish level and you know I used to hate playing out of position but this is not 
Arsenal that I was playing for, if I was playing for Arsenal and someone's giving me an opportunity to perform at the highest level and develop and get experience and continue on my path as a professional footballer, then I would be taking it with both hands. Just like Bukayo Saka has, he's played at left back. That's not his position. He's played in centre midfield. He's played on the right wing. He's played on the left wing. But Bukayo Saka constantly turns up with the right attitude, with the right behaviours. And as a result, he is progressing at a far quicker rate than Ainsley Maitland-Nars has. Is he a useful player, though, to keep around the squad? Yeah, he probably is because he is a bit, well, he has become a bit of a utility man, um, which is always good to have one of those in the squad. He can play fullback. He can play in the middle of the park. You can even stick him on the flank if you really want to. So there is that element to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But look, if the player feels he needs to move away, if Arteta doesn't feel that he's got a chance of breaking into the first team, then why not move him on? Good luck to the guy. I hope he does really, really well in his career as a, an Arsenal youngster. I'd love to see him go on and do really, really well, as long as it don't come back to bite us in the arse, of course. But you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, no real surprises, really. It's a surprise, actually, I think, that David Ornstein has come out with this now. Um, and it's a surprise that we're hearing this prior to the end of the season. But I think the day after the season had ended, if you heard this news, you wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. So timing is a little bit strange, I think. Um, but as a journalist, you break the exclusive when you get it. You don't sit on it, do you? Um, so uh, absolutely uh, right of, of David Ornstein to share that. Um, let's go through some of your live comments as we head towards the end of this edition. Uh, big hello to everybody who's in the live chat box at the moment. And of course, to those of you who are listening to this later via the audio platforms. We've had an incredible uh, last couple of weeks, last month even. Um you know, since the the return of the Premier League. And I just want to share some of the figures with you guys in terms of the listenership, because I've truly been taken aback because I've got to be honest, as somebody who gave up a, a stable job to, to move into the field of football journalism and, and have always worked really, really hard on this podcast, it was really, really disheartening for me to see during the lockdown, and I understand why, I, I get it. There were far more important things than football. People's health was at stake, etc. But it was really, really disheartening to see the numbers take a complete nosedive. And I've got to be honest, I did wonder if they'd ever get back up. And I wondered how long it would take for them to start climbing up again. And, you know, I know there are far bigger YouTube channels than the Chronicles of Aguna. We are primarily an audio podcast. That is what we started as. And that is where the majority of our listenership comes from, even to this day. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm over the moon and, and really thrilled by the support that we've seen. And, and to give you an idea on the audio platforms over the last seven days, we have had 16,837 plays, which is, to me, that that is that is amazing. I'm really, really proud of that. And, and I just want to reiterate my thanks to all of you guys again. On YouTube, um, over the last 28 days, we've had 25,500 views, which is great. Um, as I said, I know there are much bigger YouTube channels out there and and, and good luck to them. And, and they're doing a brilliant job. But we are, are, well, I and everybody else who contributes is very, very proud of where this show is at as well. And again, my sincere thanks to you guys as well. And uh, and a big thanks as well to those of you who have signed up to become patrons and receive 
uh, access to exclusive content um, and it will be receiving your free gift after your third month of membership. So a big thanks to you guys as well. Right back to your comments. I got interrupted there um, by going off on one myself. But yeah, I do apologize. Let's get back to it. Uh, Omar says, evening, Harry. Liverpool will smoke us. Um, Ross says you can bet Liverpool will raise their game tomorrow night. Um, let's see. And then, of course, the, the news has come out this evening about Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and that dominates the majority of the live comments coming through. And a big thanks, actually, to Bavia Jane, who brought it to my attention while we were live, because I've got to be honest, I hadn't seen that prior to hitting the go live button. Um, he says, uh, uh, into Yanan, sorry, he says, I don't blame Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Arteta doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Blind loyalty in Bellerin. I've got to disagree with that, my friend. Um, first of all, I disagree that Mikel Arteta doesn't have a clue what he's doing. But I also disagree where you say he's got a blind loyalty to Hector Bellerin. If he had a blind loyalty to Hector Bellerin, I don't think he would have come out in a press conference and spoken about how much more impressive Cedric is in the attacking phase. I don't think he would have done that if he was blindly loyal to Hector Bellerin. I really don't think that's the case. Um, of course, that's just my opinion. Um, and, and I thank you, of course, for your comment. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, a, a few of you guys talking about uh, the game and some of you touching uh, on what the next couple of well, the next few days is going to look like for Arsenal. Russ goes on to say we're too reliant on one player to score all our goals. And, and I think you're right. We have had a major problem with that this season. We're not getting goals from the midfield. And as long as Mikel Arteta's playing this system that he is at the moment, I don't suspect that's going to change anytime soon. In which case, the two wide, well, Aubameyang is one of the wide forwards, but the other two forwards need to contribute a hell of a lot more. We need to almost get into this Liverpool model where Salah, Mane, Firmino are all scoring with regularity. And then it doesn't really matter if the midfield chip in that little bit less. We're nowhere near there yet, though, because we're not seeing it from Pepe necessarily. And Ketty is still, still developing. Um, Lacazette's not scored with anywhere near the frequency he probably should have over the last uh, season and a half or whatever. So, yeah, look, it, it is a concern and it's it, you're absolutely right to raise that. Um, in response to my uh, 11 for tomorrow night's game, which I'll just quickly run through once more. Uh, Burn Leno in goal. Um, Mustafi, Lewis, Kalasinac, Tierney, Cedric. And then I'd go with Xhaka Sabayos and then Bamiyang, Lacazette and Saka as the front three. Nimsy Lot says, never want to see Kalasinac start again. Look, I, it's so hard to get over it when a player makes a massive high profile error in such a big, big game. But I think you've got to be sensible and I think you've got to recognise that in playing in that position, since the, the change of formation, he's actually done all right. He's actually done all right. You've also got to acknowledge that he wouldn't be playing there if Pablo Marie was available. It tells you a lot about what Arteta thinks about Rob Holding. Perhaps he's not impressed him in training. I don't know. He certainly didn't impress when he came on against Sheffield United. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to consider. But given the noises that Mikel Arteta has been making and, and the, the, the sort of talk about continuity and we're not too concerned about individual errors, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kalasinac start. And, and, and that's why I've picked him in my side. Um, what else have we got? Um, 
Robert Duck says, <laughs> that's a great screen name. What do you Gunners fans think of the way Arteta responded to the Man City verdict? And I mentioned this earlier on, but just to touch on the point again, I thought he was quite abrasive and quite defensive of Manchester City and understandably so. Whether we like it or not, he has an affiliation with that club. He clearly enjoyed his time there. He clearly values the, the lessons he's learned there and he values his relationship with Pep Guardiola very much. And I doubt that he you'll ever hear Mikel Arteta say anything negative about Manchester City in the press for those reasons. And that's absolutely fine. Where I struggle with this whole Manchester City thing is, it, it, and I never really normally agree with Jose Mourinho, but he said, if they're innocent, then they shouldn't have been fined anything. And, you know, so they can feel hard done by about that. But we, we don't really know, actually, do we, what's going on? We don't really know about the ins and outs of it. I think anyone who says they 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 know without having actually studied and taken the time to look into all the reports. And, and for starters, the Court of Arbitration for Sport haven't even actually published the full report yet. So it's just a lot of speculation, a lot of hot air at the moment. But it, coming back to Mikel Arteta's reaction, I thought it was as expected. Um, big hello to Danny, the GFP. How you doing, mate? Um, welcome back to the podcast. Guys, if you haven't already, check out the Burkamp Wonderland podcast. Uh, give Danny show a follow. It's a great show. One of the very best out there. There's no question uh, about that. And uh, Danny's a great friend and a great lad as well. So please do head over and check that out. Um, got a couple of questions still coming through. Let me go uh, back a little bit more. Um, da, 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 da. Oh God, there's loads of comments, loads of comments. Thank you so much. Um, Bavia asks, I feel from Arteta's press conferences, no matter what, he will get funds for the summer transfer window. He certainly doesn't seem phased when people keep raising the question of what European football will do to Arsenal's uh, sort of ability to spend in the transfer window. So I, I, I think that's a valid point that you make there. And it's a very interesting point. So thank you very much um, for that. Stan the Man says, not looking forward to facing City. Not been this worried about a semi <laughs> since the time I watched the Broke Back Mountain. <laughs> that's an excellent comment. Uh, <laughs> brilliant stuff. Keep them coming. Uh, Kartik Joshi says, Hey, Harry, a tall physical centre forward like Giroud is really important for us next season. What do you think? Um, ooh. Um, uh, look, I liked Olivier Giroud. I really did. I really liked Olivier Giroud during his time at Arsenal. I thought he was very, I thought, in fact, that he was criminally underrated um, by a large section of the Arsenal fan base. I thought he got a lot of stick when he didn't necessarily deserve it. And so, you know, I, I there's a small part of me. I know he plays for Chelsea, um, but there's a small part of me that actually enjoys seeing Olivier Giroud perform because it kind of vindicates what I'd been saying for years and years and years about him, that actually he wasn't that bad and he was so important to the way we played. If you're wondering why I'm putting this jumper back on, it's because it's made my green screen go all funny. Oh, God. Lighting is a problem. Lighting is an issue here. All right. Should be a bit better. Here we go. Let's get back to it. Um, da, 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 da. What else have we got here? Um, Omar says, what's your prediction, Harry? I think we'll probably get beaten um, against Liverpool. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, though, that we get a result. Burnley uh, went to Anfield and got a result just a few days ago. It was a very strange weekend of results, granted, but that should give Arsenal hope. So, uh, yeah. 
Why not? Why can't we get a result against Liverpool? I think we'll probably narrowly lose. If you're asking me to give a prediction, then, then I'm going to say a defeat, um, probably understandably so. But uh, like I said, it, it's um, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Arsenal could get something uh, against Liverpool. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Let's see. Uh, Tejas Deshpande says, Arteta has a pro coaching badge. He surely knows what is wrong in the team more than all of us. I think as fans, you know, we, we do do that, don't we? We jump to conclusions. We think we know better. We always do. I think that we have to to accept that Mikel Arteta um, is probably more qualified to do the job than any of us. Well, he is more qualified to do the job than any of us. And so, yeah, there, there's a certain degree of trust that you have to put in your manager. I agree with the sentiment of that. Um, but I don't think that's going to stop people uh, criticising anytime soon, mate. <laughs> Thank you uh, for your comment. Um, Big Gunner D says, uh, video liked. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already and you are watching us on YouTube, hit that like button. It's so, so important. Um, please, please do so. It, it means the world to us as well. Uh, duh, duh, duh. What else have we got? Um Danny, the GFP says, so true, Harry. We went from a 5K a show to 500 a show, now back to 3K. It's great to see that the numbers are heading back in the right direction, Danny. It was a really, really difficult time. Um, and I'm I'm delighted to see that you guys are back on the up as well because anyone who does this will know that there is a lot more that goes into this in the background in terms of just pressing record and talking. You know, there's all the social media stuff. There's all the editing. There's all the there's just so much more to it there's the, the arranging with guests the scheduling things and you know so uh, i'm glad to see that the burkamp wonderland is back on the way as well um a burkamp wonderland i should say apologies i keep doing that uh, <laughs> right uh let's see uh, ross says you do great work harry thank you so much mate uh zod sinclair says smash the like guys please do um uh, Danny again says that Harry and Tom are two hardest working Arsenal podcasters around. Thank you, mate. But I think you're up there as well in terms of hard working for sure. And in terms of quality as well, check out Tom Canton's channel as well. The Guna talk is another good one as well. Um, so please, please do check that out as well. Uh, Marky signing says big up, Harry. You're not the biggest, but you're the best. I'll tell you what, during lockdown, I'm starting to get towards the biggest. I've been eating way too many barbecues. Um, it's actually been lucky that it's been raining the last couple of weeks because it's calmed me down in, on the barbecue in front. Um, da, 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 uh, into your announcers got to start somewhere, mate. Keep going. Great channel in response to the comments about the channel. Thank you. Uh, Paul Nell says, keep up the good work, Harry. Lo so much love coming through this evening. Big thank you to all of you. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, and you've all played your part in the channel growing. And I really, really appreciate that. We haven't done a fan's phone-in for a while, but I am planning to do one of those um, probably at the start of next week. Unfortunately, just work is just mad and I'm, I'm struggling to fit everything in at the moment. Um, but yeah, we will uh, we will get one of those booked in. So stay tuned to our Twitter feed. If you haven't already, follow us at Chronicles underscore AFC and uh, we'll give you some information on that. Uh, Nimsy Lot says, big up Harry, underrated YouTuber. Um, and uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, Hendon, Hendon Guna uh, says, needs another barbecue video, mate. I'll get one of those to you as soon as possible, I promise. Uh, Daniel Tiggy says, hi, mate. Love your channel. 
And he goes on to say, this channel is a breath of fresh air after spending so much time listening to AFTV and their agendas. I'm not going to comment on them. I'll, I'll leave them uh, to their own devices. But thank you, Daniel, uh, for your kind uh, comments. Um, duh, duh, duh. We've got uh, another question. What does Pepe have to do so people accept him as a good player? Oh, this is a tough one. I, I think Nicolas Pepe was always going to have to hit the ground running purely because of the transfer fee involved in bringing him to the football club. That's not necessarily fair on Nicolas Pepe because he hasn't said I'm worth 72 million. Arsenal Football Club, in their opinion, have felt that he was worth that amount of money and therefore they have made that investment to bring him to the football club. It is going to take time more often than not when players come from abroad for them to embed in. I think Nicolas Pepe just needs to be a bit more confident in his own ability because you know when I look at Nicolas Pepe I think about what what are his strengths he's he's quick I think he's tricky when he wants to be I think he's got a very very decent left foot um I think he's he's very dangerous when he cuts inside on that left foot and he goes for that far corner and we've seen it on a few occasions actually where he's he's scored brilliant goals as a result of that very confident from the penalty spot as well um so there's certainly a player there in my opinion, what I want to see a little bit more from Nicolas Pepe is I want to see him be a little bit more direct at times. I want to see him utilise that pace. And by that, I mean, go on the outside of the defender sometimes. I think the fact he doesn't do that comes from probably the fact that he always wants to be back inside on that left foot. But I think sometimes he'd be better served just going on the outside and getting to the byline, getting his head up and producing something for one of his teammates. So, I, I do think there is a player in there, but, you know, you cannot help but feel like he's been a little bit underwhelming since he's arrived. But again, that comes back to the to the uh, transfer fee and to all the hype that surrounded him when he arrived. The one thing I will say, though, is when you look at, you know, at the statistics this season in comparison to somebody, and I'll, I'll just look this up now. Um, before I go make a stupid statement and it proves to be wrong. I'm just going to double check this. So bear with me just a second as I uh, give it a little search. Here we go. Uh, so Nicolas Pepe, he's made 28 appearances in the Premier League this season. Of course, not all of them have been uh, from the start of games. That's appearances overall. He started in 57% of our Premier League games this season. He scored five goals and he's provided six assists. Now, if I compare that to Wilfred Zaha, who, of course, Unai Emery wanted to see come into the club. Many Arsenal fans wanted to see come into the club. Y you have to say that given their ages, so Zaha's 27, Nicolas Pepe's 25, and their outputs this season, it looks like Arsenal made the right choice. Wilfred Zaha started 97% of Crystal Palace's Premier League fixtures this season. He's made 35 appearances in the Premier League, but he's only scored four goals and provided five assists. So in terms of their outputs, you can see that actually Nicolas Pepe has been a more effective player this season than Crystal, Pal uh, than Crystal Palace's Wilfred Zaha. There is a caveat to that, though. There is a massive caveat to that. And that is, of course, that Wilfred Zaha, you might argue that he's not this season, but he's playing in a, in a, a weaker side uh, in terms of the creative talent that he has around him. He's playing in a side who predominantly play a defensive style of football. But then as, as Inti Yanan says in the comments, Zaha carries the Palace team. So it's not easy to make a um, 
a, a direct comparison between the two players. But in terms of if you're just looking at purely on outputs, then then Nicolas Pepe has proven to be more effective than Wilfred Zaha this season. Um, da, 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 da. um let's see what else we've got. Uh, before we wrap it up, there's just so many comments coming through. I'm loving it. Thank you so much. I was planning to do this stream for about 20 minutes, but we'll keep going for a few minutes longer. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see what else we've got here. Um, Kev says, Harry, isn't the whole point in a left foot in the back three is that he can open up his body and play the ball down the line comfortably. That is the the theory behind it. That is the method to Mikel Arteta. Is that right? The method to his madness. Is that right? What I'm trying to say? Anyway, you get what I mean. Um, uh, yeah, it, that is the point of it. It is so that he can open up his body and play the ball down the line. And, and Sarah Kalasinac made a horrible, horrible mistake on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. Um, fingers crossed he's learned from it. I, I, I don't really know what else to say on, on this subject other than we know that the players we've got in the defensive areas in particular are not necessarily good enough for the longer term. But given we're kind of stuck with them for now and between now and the rest of the season, I just don't see the point in crucifying them. You know, we're going to, we're going to hopefully make some changes in the summer, but until that happens, let's get behind the players that are wearing the the red and white of Arsenal and hope that they can uh, produce a couple more performances to leave some smiles on our faces. Uh, Sebi says, new to your channel, where could we discuss about Arsenal one-to-one? Um, hit me up on Twitter, mate, at Harry Simeou. Harry, uh, S-Y-M-E-O-U. And uh, feel free to uh, drop me a message on there and I'll be sure to respond. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, let's see. Got a couple more. I'm just going to pick up a couple more um, because I've got a dash. But uh, into your answers, do you think the pressure Saliba has come is coming his way? Sorry. Do you think the pressure Saliba has coming in is way over the top, being labelled by some people as the next Van Dyke? Yeah, look, we, we've got to be honest and we've got to understand that we're talking about essentially a kid coming from a foreign country and he, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on him because um, because of the situation we find ourselves in in terms of our central defensive options. I think that Mikel Arteta will manage the situation properly. I think he's managed the Bukayo Saka situation really, really well. So I have faith in him doing that and managing uh, people's expectations of Saliba's as well as, uh, you know, people's expectations, sorry, of Saliba, as well as managing the players and managing his development. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Mikel Arteta develops him. We know in the past he's been credited with the individual development of some really, really good players, including uh, Raheem Sterling. So, yeah, look, look I, I think that, you know, there is a, a massive amount of pressure, but that pressure comes from fans that are, are deluded. I can assure you there is no pressure from me on William Saliba to come in and, and solve Arsenal's defensive issues that, let's be honest, we've we've suffered with for probably the best part of a decade, probably longer. Um, so, yeah, it would be unfair to heap that all on him. Uh, Sassid Wasami, this is going to be the last question. He says, I don't understand missing out on the UEL will make us spend little to nothing. Winning the Europa League unbeaten and seven home game fan revenue is 30 million. AFC shouldn't be skint because of the price of one Mustafi. <laughs> I love the comparison in terms of the revenue and a uh, squad round Mustafi. No, look, I, I, 
I think Arsenal's financial position has been declining for a number of years now. I think when Arsenal dropped out of the Champions League, the expectation was very much that we were going to get back in it straight away. And that didn't happen. And it's still not happened. And it's not going to happen next year either. So when I say next year, as in we won't be competing in it next season because we haven't qualified this season. Um, you know, it... It does have an impact and it's had a gradual impact on Arsenal's finances. And understandably, we're not going to be able to spend what we could once. Europa League money, from, from my understanding, from some work that I've been doing this week, it's understood that Arsenal picked up around about £40 million for their run to the Europa League final last season. And so, yeah, £40 million, what, Mustafi was, what, 35? I, I get the comparison. But I think it does have an impact. And I think that... When at a time when things are stretched as it is, it's definitely not helpful to not be in Europe. From a footballing perspective, there's an argument that it'll be better for us not to have to play in the Europa League. But from a business standpoint, from the club standpoint, there is no doubt whatsoever in my mind that they would be, uh, or they would be happier to be playing in the Europa League than they would be to not be playing in the Europa League for those reasons I've mentioned. Right, that brings me to the end of uh, this evening's stream. It's our Arsenal-Liverpool preview. Leave your uh, predictions and starting lineups in the comments section below. Um, and we'll come back to some of those predictions after the game and see how many of them were correct. I've gone with a narrow Arsenal defeat. I'm going to go for a 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, and in terms of my starting lineup, I'll run for it just one more time. Emi Martinez in goal. Back three, Mustafi, Luis, Kalasinac, Tierney, Cedric, Xhaka, Ceballos, Aubameyang, Lacazette and Bukayo Saka. I had to think about that there. That is uh, that is my starting lineup and the one that I probably think that Mikel Arteta is going to go with. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. And uh, we will be back on Thursday morning with a review show of the Liverpool game. So stay tuned for that. Look out for it. Give us a subscribe if you haven't already. And that way you will never miss an episode. Until next time, take care. Ciao. 